and you're dragging your your finger on the the left deck just a little bit is are you just slowing down to beat match or is that just like a a tick that's yeah that's a vinyl thing i used to pinch the spindle of the record i've seen that a lot i've like, seen that yeah somebody asked me once when i was doing like a live thing it's like why do you keep pinching the nipple of the record oh no oh no oh god oh no Gilbert Gottfried has died. You gotta say today on the Geek Out Podcast. Yep. Right. Today on the Geek Out Podcast, Gilbert Gottfried has died. Don't laugh at that, Paul. Sorry, it's just a delivery. That's your delivery, Paul? I'm just making sure. Oh, yeah. I want to go again? Take two. Today on the Geek Out Podcast, Gilbert Gottfried has died. Not what I meant. Not what I meant. Sorry, take three. <laughs> Gilbert. I said Gilbert. Gilbert yeah. Mall. Gilbert yeah. Mall. Gilbert okay. Gottfried. Today on the Geek Out Podcast, Gilbert Gottfried has died. A self-driving car drove away from police. And someone, I'm not going to spoil who, someone has been banned from the Oscars for <laughs> a Willennium. <laughs> Sorry. I, yes, I, he I, had the last laugh. <laughs> yeah, I hope I didn't step on that because... I think it was funnier. Your read was funnier than the actual line on the, on the beginning wow. of that. And someone's, wow. yeah, yeah, that part was funnier to me than Willennium. Oh, uh, that's great. Nerdy is the new sexy. It's good to be a geek. The Zones Geek Out, the podcast. <laughs> it's the Zones Geek Out podcast. This is episode 184. We record this on Tuesday, April 12th, 2022. I'm Webmeister Bud. I host Bud's Weekly Geek Out Wednesdays at 7.20 with Dylan and Jason in the Morning Zone. R.I.P. Art? No. Well, he, yeah, he can't make it tonight, so R.I.P. Art. Um, I'm DJ Boycano. I do the Weekend Zone and the Mixtape in the Afternoon Zone. I'm Bob Bacino, and I host that Afternoon Zone. And wow, just the three of us, and this might be a real quick pot. I don't have no preamble. I got nothing. I got so much going on in my life and on my mind right now that I haven't had any a spare moment for any of my usual bullshittery. So uh, I apologize. <laughs> and uh, uh, here we go. <laughs> One hour pod. One hour pod. Oh, yeah, yeah, Kirsten's on vacation, so we're going straight to this week on Bud's Weekly Geek Out. Oh, let's Kirsten. talk about that. Stinking Kirsten! With what? The, did you see it today? She, I loved it, actually. That was so funny. But so uh, funny. it snows here in Victoria, and she puts up <laughs> the post of she's uh, lounging by her walkout pool. She's got an infinity pool right at the foot of the doorstep of the, her hotel room. When she hears that it's snowing in her hotel. <laughs> but then to balance things out, she said the previous day where she's staying, uh, there was a bunch of dead fish washed up on the shore. So, yeah, kind of disturbing. <laughs> kind of disturbing, kind of stinky, and uh, wow, could it all be connected? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Snow in uh, Victoria in April, uh, dead fish in Mexico, climate uh, crisis, anybody? Well, yeah. Mm. Okay. This week on Bud's Weekly Geek Out. There we go. So in 2015, I mean, up until a few years ago, I would generally round up internet Companies and and their April Fool's Day pranks, but it's kind of gotten tired. So, but I did talk <laughs> Do you about. Think in so 20... really, you're done. For the most part, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I think I think at this point they're they're a little samey. Some of them are a little like uh, they try too hard, or a little extreme, or a little harmful or dangerous kind of thing, just because they're trying to get the headlines and whatever. Like sure. it, 
it's case by case. And I didn't do one this year. And I don't think I did one last year. I'm not saying like it's definitely over. I may talk about a particular one, um, you know, and so this year I referenced one that came from 2015. Yeah. Um, it was when Tesla did something called a ticket avoidance mode that they sent, they said would be sent through an OTA or sorry, an over the air update um, that would uh, start your Tesla and inch it away from meter maids or police officers if they tried to ticket your car. Um, and they actually, they teamed up with the Palo Alto Police Department and got a lieutenant dressed as a beat cop trying to write this ticket. And, oh, you know, funny. stellar acting of him throwing his ticket book up in the air and running after the car. It was very cute. Um, until, of course, that happened on April Fool's Day of this year. Oh. Uh, legit in San Francisco, uh, police pulled over a car with all the LIDAR, all the self-driving uh, apparatus on it um, because it was driving around without any lights and it was nighttime. And uh, the officer goes up to the car and there's nobody in there and he tries the door and it's locked. And I mean, what do you do? Right. So he goes back to his car and the self-driving car just takes off. Um, it didn't go far. It just went about a block pulled in behind another car, put its hazards on and stopped. Um, <laughs> but uh, apparently this was because like Chevrolet has been operating under the Chevy, the cruise brand. They've mm. been operating uh, autonomous vehicles as taxis. Uh, I guess as they also trained them in the city. So they, that that's why the car was around and, you know, driving with nobody in it doesn't explain the lights, but anyways, because of this test, they actually have a triple eight number set up mm -hmm. for law enforcement and first responders to call if there's an incident with their cars. Wow. Um, and they made a 19 minute video, which I watched with a former police chief and a current uh, fire captain um, about their cars, their cruise cars and what to do for first responders. Shoot the tires uh, out. No, but they have clearly labeled a cable in the engine to bolt cut if you need to kill the battery. Uh, uh. And the video not only showed, showed diagrams of where to, to cut on the chassis with the jaws of life, they did it. They sacrificed a car with a bunch of firefighters chopping off the roof of a car and lifting it off if they needed to get somebody out. So they're pretty invested in it. Um, but in the end, with the car, um, they called the number. Everything was fine. Um, no, no tickets were issued. It's just a funny geek thing. Oh, sure. And, you know, I think that if we're going to do anything autonomous and uh, artificial intelligence, you got to clearly label the cable. Snip this cable if in, in, in case That's of right. Skynet, in case yes. of Judgment Day, snip <laughs> here's, here. Here's okay. the kill brain wire. That's right. Yeah, you, you need that clearly labeled. Thank you. Uh, and, uh, yeah, easily accessible, too. Don't put it up the robots. But um, also, a uh, couple of other things here I'm thinking about. Hey. Uh, that just reminded me. This happened to me this morning, okay? Uh, yesterday, I needed a cab, and I was kind of in a hurry, but I was like, cab took like 45 minutes to get there. Oh, isn't it always the way? And then, so this morning, I'm like, ah, shoot it. I'm late for work. I need another cab. Uh, I was like, hey, uh, girl, call me a cab. She does. I, I'm going to jump in the shower. I got 45 minutes. Easy. Jump in the shower. I'm in there for two minutes. Brush teeth, naked. Ca cab's here. Cab's here oh, right no. now. It's no, it only been like five minutes. Isn't that always the way? Always yeah. the way. Okay, yeah. thank you for let me try out my stand-up act on this stupid podcast. What's the deal? <laughs> What's the deal? 
<laughs> caps. I'm like, this is going to be a great tweet. Six likes. Um, <laughs> f- next, uh, you know what I, I'd also remind me of? You know what's kind of neat? Uh, do you know cops cars have very new uh, lights on the top of them now? What do you mean by new? Like as in like different? Not, well, not your old Code 3 or Aerodynic uh, brand? Yeah. Lights? Like imagine a modern cop car and probably you're thinking of – you know, uh, the newer version of the classic, you know, wee-oo, wee-oo, you know, the the light that spins, right? And pretty hefty, and they stand up above the car. Don't think I've been thinking about that since the 70s, but okay. Not that, not that old, but but the modern version of it, right? Like, that's what you're thinking about, like that, 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 that's, uh, it's kind of like a long rectangle casing, and there's actual big light bulby lights. That's what I just picture to be on top of a cop car, right? Yeah. Sure. So where I work at the uh, the rink nearby here, uh, there's uh, we're right next to the uh, Victoria Police Department headquarters. Right. And there's this one stretch of the upstairs of the rink where you walk and there's all these windows and you can see right down to the oh. parking lot and there's often a bunch of cop cars there. And I oh. noticed a few weeks ago that the lights on top of cop cars are not that anymore. They're this like flat, like very flat – um, and they're kind of triangular, like almost like it's the, the car is wearing like a tiny paraglider. Okay. Um, oh, do you mean like if you look at it from the top, they're like this? Yeah. Tr- yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and then it is like, like module, 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 or like a two bars that are sort of pointed like an arrow. I think it's module, module. Okay. Um, but anyways, Get a look. Next time you see a cop car, get a look at what's on top of there because I, I, I feel like that's a pretty recent thing that cop cars get a whole new deal up on top. No, is that um, not new? You don't no, think that's new? I, I, I'm sorry. Like, and, I, and I hate to be the, this guy, but like that that design, mm-hmm. like module, 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 sort of going in, a, in, a, in an arrow pointing toward the front of the car, not new. Oh. Um, as a guy who worked at McDonald's, um, I became... Uh, you know, and just, I love flashing lights. I just sort of became obsessed <laughs> with light bars and the lighting technology that are on, uh, because the, the cars would come through the drive through and I would be like this far away, like as my webcam is to see. Oh, that's like, how does that, this factor into McDonald's? Sorry. <laughs> that's the connection. Relate to McDonald's is like, did you work at the Pandora McDonald's or? <laughs> <laughs> so this is why I know names like Federal Signal and Whalen and Aerodynic and Code 3. These are all light bar making companies. Yeah. And, um, when they did go away from the sort of, you know, like you went from your sealed beam rotating beacons um, to like longer bars yeah. that were usually like a stationary light and you had a little flippy uh, mirror things or the, they would spin all the way around. Yes. When they went from those, the next ones that they went to were the module, module, module. And then they had individual ones because by being in sort of an arrow pattern, yeah. you can see it better from the sides. Makes sense. So your front two modules will just be your your lights. Your third module will have like the the red and the blue, but then they'll also have white takedown lights on the side, or so they call them alley lights because you can drive up to an alley and shine down that way. Right. Um, oof, I'm sounding very nerdy. Um, anyways, where they all went from here were smaller, flatter LED um, bundles. So you honestly might be seeing older tech. Well, you seem to know what you're talking about, but I will counter with. No, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> and 
and that's okay. You're at the ring a lot more than I am. You're close to the to the to the police station. Honestly, I didn't realize there was a window where you could just go. And I'm the kind of person who's just gonna go mm-hmm. and look because I love myself a police light and uh, an emergency beacon and whatnot. So okay, I'm gonna go and have a look. Yeah, let me get you some tickets and we'll come to a hockey game. And, uh, and no, I th- I'm, I'm like, almost, and then the after party will be going to the police station. <laughs> I'm almost positive that it's it's newer than that. I think what you're That's describing, okay. no. is, I would love to be wrong. I mean, like you worked at McDonald's 45 years ago or what was up thereabouts? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so it was, a, I think that was a long, I think it's newer than that. I think, and admit, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's just from that angle. It's just like, it's a very new weird apparatus that I've never seen before. But again, how often are you looking right down on a cop car? I'm guessing when you're working at a McDonald's drive-thru. Anyways, uh, coming soon. Only two things incoming soon. Stranger Things 4. Remember, they don't give these seasons or series anymore. So this is the Netflix series. Uh, It will be coming out in two parts on May 27th and July 1st. And we have learned that it is the fourth season of five. Five will apparently be the final season. Got this information from Zoner Ewan. Thank you, Zoner Ewan. Does Zoner Ewan have a take as well? Does anyone know? Uh, Let me check. I don't think he did on this. I think it was more informational. Um, new trailer, although he's skipping it to avoid spoilers. Uh, the article talks about Stranger Things 5 being the final volume. He says he'd happily take in more volumes of the show, even if the characters become adults. That's uh, the so take. No, that's, oh, no that's that the is take. the take. Even if the characters became adults, continue on. And you know what? I think so, too. I think that we've made kind of a big deal on this podcast about, like, yeah, you better wrap this up before Eleven hits puberty. Uh, <laughs> her name can't be Eleven when she passes the age of 12. You know, it's oh, like... Boy. I, I think I think that a lot of Stranger Things fan, if the show is still popular, I think we would happily follow them into through adolescence and into young adulthood. Yeah. Um, you know, beyond how many strange things can happen, I think that like if they can still think of interesting, fun, strange things, uh, then yeah, we probably would still watch it. Am I right about this, Brian? Do you still watch this show? Yeah, yeah I do. And Did I, I agree with this trailer. Yeah, yeah, and this, the trailer looked great. I agree with you in general on that. Um, because they and obviously they they used to say this about and this is a really weird example for me to think of when you were talking about that but they I remember reading a review on I think it was like American Pie three <laughs> okay they get the movie American, yeah okay and it was like one of those things where it's like oh people thought this had a shelf life because they were just in high school kids that wanted to fuck a pie and how. <laughs> That's my Stranger Things lines for American Pie. How many pies? Oh my you, god! You, no, um, but there the the review is like you know the, this is it's really all about a group of people who you could f- theoretically follow into you know adulthood and you know you're in that the third one it was like they got married and in the fourth one they have kids or whatever. Oh, right. and then the generation. This, this is kind of the same on. thing with Stranger Things, right? You you meet them at this this young age. Strange things are happening in the times that we're jumping into their lives. You know, whenever a new season comes out. Um, but that's kind of the thing is like you're you're even even seeing like one of the characters is now on uh looks like on the high school basketball team. Cool, interesting development, yeah, right? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of growing into his own and you know, he's he's still part of the group and they're still all kind of together, but they're all off kind of doing their different things. Strange things. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I agree. I tend to agree. Yeah, I think that uh beyond we we focus on the things. 
<laughs> the yeah. strange things. But um, I think that the real the real charm of the show is the characters. Mm-hmm. Always has been, and so yeah. I uh, but if but again, if they're out of interesting, strange things, that's obviously just that, Netflix too. has really got, especially with this series. If this is series is their bread and butter, they really got to move to the weekly episode model. Yes, yes. And because here's the thing: I think they will do that it. when they start uh, Stranger Things spinoff or two. That's my prediction. Okay, let's uh, think ahead for a caboose on that one. Yeah. I also immediately like i named that tune in three notes no dude dude in four notes um because i'm a huge fan of the journey song um worlds apart um oh god what's it called someday uh separate ways worlds apart um another great yeah pretty great remix of that song uh basically all they used from the actual source with Steve Perry's vocals. And then mm. they just did newer, modern, lots of drums. They put them like reverb on the vocals. And yeah, yeah, yeah. They sit out a bit more. And-, and I, you know, those things often bug me, but um, I, I, I respect this one because I love the song. Let me back up way far away and how ticked off I was in one of the first Dune trailers when they you when they redid a Pink Floyd song, which of course offended me <laughs> because I'm a huge Pink Floyd fan. They did they did Eclipse mm-hmm. from Dark Side of the Moon. <sighs> Listening to an episode of the Song Exploder podcast. Uh, no, was it Song Exploder? Yeah, Wait, they did. They they had um, where uh, they talked to Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer yeah, um, he talked about how there was a version of Dune in planning that never made it off the ground where Pink Floyd was going to do the soundtrack. Oh. And so Hans Zimmer actually had influence in the trailer music being a Pink Floyd song. Right. I retract my animosity. Yeah, I should say. I think you should apologize <laughs> as well. Tommy <laughs> <laughs> oh. Exploder will make you do that. It'll yeah. Like, you, you know, you initially don't like a song and then you hear this episode and it might be Hiroshika Hiroe's voice. And oh man, talking mm, like this voice. about the song. And then yeah, yeah. Having it's interesting though. Them. He had a few seasons where he wasn't there, and it was Tao yeah. Win. Yeah, and I'm like, great. oh man, that's going to be so disappointing. And then I realized the host is really there only at the beginning and the end. And you only notice every now and then he'll come in with like a, a question. Yeah, yeah, it'll be base rolled off or something, a specific question that the the guest didn't like restate the question in the answer of. And otherwise, yeah, it's mostly the artist talking. Oh, I love Song Explorer. Great podcast. Anyway, listen to this one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but please, yeah, stay on this one. Then go listen to Song Exploder because we're going to talk about Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Clip it, the dream, dream, dream. Clip it, did not like this song. Again, uh, in theaters May 6th. Tickets are on sale now. Oh, did you get tickets, bud? I got tickets. Yeah, I got to get my tickets. Get tickets, you team. Let's get going here. What's his face, bud? Tickets. What are you doing? What's this? You got tickets? I got to get tickets. Okay. Yeah. 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 Oh, I'm just, excited. Just going back and bookmarking where you said you were, and so I can try and get tickets close to you. Row F, I believe. Yeah, but I um, yeah, great, great. I, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a fun ride. I think they're going to, uh, I mean, from everything I've seen, and, and I'm kind of the one you got to convince, right? Like I'm not uh, just every single Marvel thing I'm like s- stoked for automatically and not at a high level, but I think that they've they've done a good job. They've done a good marketing job to me. And dang, Elizabeth Olsen. Can't wait to see her just like rock the acting chops in this Yeah, one. Yeah, mm-hmm. me too. 
Otherwise, yeah, you're right. There's not much more we can say about it. They've they've given us so much, um, and it's so close. So yeah, just uh, I'm at the point where I'm like trying not to watch clip it's but yeah as you know i'm so weak you're weak <laughs> all right on to geek news proper Gilbert Gottfried has died at the age of 67. Brian uh, reminds us of a particularly poignant and sad photo now of uh, Gilbert Gottfried and Bob Saget and, um, oh crap. Uh, uh, Louis Anderson. Louis Anderson, uh, who all took a photo uh, on Bob Saget's phone. And then Bob Saget and Louis Anderson, I think, both died in January. And now Gilbert Gottfried uh, is gone. And holy smokes, what a year for these comedy losses. It's very sad, um, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Gilbert Gottfried, uh, very popular on the same time as those guys too, right? Kind of had his zenith with Aladdin. Um, yeah, m- famous mostly for his voice, and so it makes sense that they cast him in this big movie. And I think he like, you know, did all the um, all the sequels and all that. Uh, maybe even the cartoon show. You know, he was just like a solid working actor who who liked i think to work or, or probably needed to work you know what i mean like he never was like huge gigantic famous name like robin williams who mm. you know could take a movie off or or sit out the cartoon show or whatever um you know working comedian so uh but so he always lent his voice to that stuff um you know what i didn't hear about today it was not in the newswire and i haven't heard anybody say it the aflac duck Oh, yeah, I thought that right, was like too. the most obvious one though, because it's sort of the the more recent and more frequent. But second most obvious, didn't something weird happen though with the? Didn't he like get turfed off of that for some reason? Um, there was some some scandal or something happened where. He had to not be the duck anymore, and then they replaced him with somebody else. And it was such a weird thing because the duck, obviously the voice, the duck is the duck, the duck's voice. But 11 years he spent as the duck, and he was dismissed on March 14, 2011, due to jokes on his Twitter uh, referencing the Tohoku earthquake and tsunami. Ah, uh, and uh, mm. the chief marketing officer stated the Gilbert's recent comments about the crisis in Japan were lacking in humor and certainly do not represent the thoughts and feelings of everyone at Aflac. Okay, all right. I'm sorry I brought it up. And uh, who do they replace him with? Daniel McKeague, a television and advertising sales manager from Hugo, Minnesota. Right. Daniel McKeague. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Was it uh, a Mike Richards case of just like get the guy who's in the hallway or like why not get another voice actor? But anyways. Yeah. Like in, on later in 2011, they announced they were taking applications for the new voice. They made it a thing like quackaflac.com. Um, commercials requesting the submissions um, uh, were aired but updated to resemble a silent movie with no voice, which is quite funny. And then, <laughs> yeah. and then, yeah, they, they, uh, it was, I guess this guy's been there since 2011. Hmm. Wow. Quite. Um, have you ever heard the story when he was, uh, booed at the roast of Hugh Hefner? Oh, um, no. Because no. he made a very inappropriate 9 11 joke. And oh, no. no. Did he? Yeah. But he completely saved his set or just just like his oh. his thing 
by doing an aristocrats joke. Oh like, no, really? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so like he made this he made this uh, joke and it referenced 9/11 and like people were in the audience like too soon and boo. Uh, was it too soon? What year was it? I think he saw. I think it was like maybe too soon. Yeah, some somewhere too soon. A couple years, maybe two thousand two, two thousand three, or oh, something. Oh boy, okay, Jeez. too soon. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then yeah, so like he could tell he's like, oh, I'm in shit now. And so instead of like finishing what he was gonna do, he just stopped everything and then told an aristocrat's joke. And then the crowd cheered. Like, oh, that's crazy! On their side. I just remember that wow. is that is that moment. Well, what kinda, an amazing wild save. <laughs> yeah, it kind of bums me out when like I don't know people get canceled or fired or whatever for like you know they made an off color joke. Like don't get me wrong, shouldn't have joked that, shouldn't have made that joke, right? And uh, how about an apology instead? Or how about it's I don't know. It's that it's this whole conversation i don't want to get mired in it again but like now i'm kind of like in hindsight and he's dead at 67 i'm like well i wish he was still the duck and i wish he could be the duck in perpetuity i wish you know it's like uh he i'm swear i'm sure that they have more than enough takes of him saying the one word that (laughs) uh, whatever wild situations the ad writers could put the duck in you could use one of the one of the banked duck words uh, well, especially if he'd stayed on after 2011 all the technology that we have now yeah you know, could easily just, deep fake that duck we could easily duck fake him you know i thought that was duck. always the charm about the aflac duck is that it was quite obviously the voice of gilbert Gottfried. well no kidding well and most things that are voiced by gilbert Gottfried are quite obviously the voice of gilbert Gottfried. yeah but that and i thought i always thought and that's why i said that's one of the more obvious ones is because it felt like it was that duck purposefully it was gilbert godfrey's voice because it was so recognizable and so you know notable yes and i thought it was like that's just the charm of this mascot now it's yeah. like yeah. every time it says Affleck, you know you're you're thinking about Gil- gilbert godfrey yeah yeah, yeah. Next up in Geek News proper, Walker Scoble will be Percy Jackson. This has been uh, confirmed by The Hollywood Reporter. This is the kid who was in The Atom Project, <laughs> the big fan of Vancouver heartthrob Ryan Reynolds. And yeah, he will be playing uh, in the Rick Riordan books, uh, Percy Jackson proper, that will be happening on the uh, the Disney Plus series coming. This will be the interesting thing here is that uh, he could walk on set and do his first couple scenes and then the director's like, yells cut and be like, can you not do Ryan Reynolds too, too much? <laughs> can, can we tone that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was, he was really good in the Adam Project, but he was really good because like, he does this great Ryan Reynolds. Sure. Yeah. That will be very interesting to see, honestly. Yeah. I wish Art were here to talk about Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul, who will be making guest starring appearances in the final season of Better Call Saul. I'll I'll talk about it then. Bad, Ooh. bad. I do wish we that, need this. Do we? Not that we need this. It's uh oh. So okay, okay, okay. Now um, at the end of Breaking Bad, not to spoil anything, but it is uh, between the end of Breaking Bad and then the movie El Camino, 
we get a really good idea of where these characters go. Mm. And um, as a spoiler alert for this show that ended many years ago, it's to heaven. (laughs) (laughs) For Walt, anyways. And then then Jesse... um, uh, uh, he winds up in Alaska or something. Is that right? Okay. Now, so we're, we have to assume that if we're going to see these two together. It's going to be in a prequel. And this mm-hmm. show is a prequel, right? Yeah, that's what the show yeah. is. Okay, okay, okay. It'll be, it would be sort of the dovetail leading into Breaking Bad where these shows um, aired in reverse chronological order. Right. So... So there's the possibility that you could split them up, right? You could get like a flash forward to see where Jesse's at now and, uh, you know, and then carry along with the Better Call Saul uh, timeline and and you get Walt. Okay, well, you know, Brian Cranston, I guess he can play a few years older than he was at the beginning of the, you know, shave him and you put a haircut on him, I guess. he That timeline could line up, but uh, it's uh, very likely that they are instead going to put them both in that kind of age. And then we're going to have 42-year-old Aaron Paul mm. playing the recently high school graduated 19-year-old Jesse Pinkman. Right. Okay. No, really de-age him for that. Do you think that's what it'll be? It'll be no, a No, de- I don't think so. Like, we don't need this, you guys. Let it... I understand the constant craving to bring back your favorites, okay? But it's... Whether it's this or it's Boba Fett. Snaw. <laughs> Snaw. <laughs> Very accurate. Very accurate. Okay, right? Especially if it doesn't work with the timing. Yeah. You know, crying out loud. I don't know if I even sent it to you. Do we even say it last week about this Star Trek Picard announcement? How the whole cast of Next Generation now is going to be showing yes, up. Yes, we did. Yeah. So this show to begin with was this type of horrible, nostalgia, lazy, just put the old character in a new show. Uh, and then, oh, 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 I don't know if, uh, if you caught this from the last few podcasts or whatever, if you heard me saying this, this season sucks and is the <laughs> wheels are completely off the rails season one was bad this one is uh bad times 10 it's <laughs> oh, such no. it's such a mess okay mm-hmm. and viewership i don't think is can't be good so the, the season two is not even over and they're announcing please keep watching please 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 because uh Remember all, berries all your favorites are coming back wharf we got wharf is coming please Please stay for Worf. <laughs> right? Right? And and the whole cat. And like, Jordy, come on. You got you wanted Jordy to host Jeopardy. Well, he's not, but he's going back on the show. Please keep watching. Oh yeah. How about make a good show? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right? Like I get it. Like there's that little tinge, like, hey, guess what? In episode one of Star Trek Next Generation, and sorry to be on like a Star Trek tangent here, but I think it, it like it, it speaks to my point. Start, episode one of Star Trek The Next Generation had a cameo from DeForest Kelly. Okay? Dr. McCoy. I remember that. Quick. It uh, lets you know this happens in the same universe. 
and then away we go. I don't think we saw an original series character for seasons down the road. And these are long seasons with like 40 episodes, right? The way they used to make crazy TV back in the 1990s. (laughs) Dozens and dozens of episodes for a year. And then like years later, you get a Scotty episode. Because he was trapped in a transport b- buffer. That's right. Right. That was also great. Okay, and then uh, t- t- three years later, then Spock shows up because you know Vulcans can live forever or what have you. Okay, so but but in between those episodes, probably hundreds of episodes of quality television. The entire thing didn't need to be this throwback to the original series, and so uh, that's the way to do it. I get it. I get it, right? Uh. Fair enough. Fair enough. Let's move on. Netflix has introduced two thumbs up for content you really, really love. So in the options, you know, you'll be able to like (laughs) hit the options and your little pop-up comes up. Episodes and info. Download. A thumbs down if it's not for me. A thumbs up if I like it. And two thumbs up. If you love this. How much more is this going to cost me per month? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Right? Here, watch me you cancel my subscription with these two thumbs. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> well done. Well done. Anyways, no, cute. Good for them. <laughs> yeah. Carrie Brownstein from Portlandia will direct Witness Protection. Witness Protection. This will be a film starring uh, Annie Murphy from Schitt's Creek. Oh, that's fun. That's a fun team up. I'm excited to see what them two will do. That's awesome. Centers on a woman who has always defined herself by romantic relationships, but when she is forced into witness protection, she must try to figure out who she really is for the first time while maintaining her cover and keeping the criminals at bay. So honestly, I mean, concept sounds a little chintzy, but I think these two together will make it work. That makes me excited. There's going to be a live-action Casper, the friendly ghost, if you don't know what, just by the name, <laughs> uh, at Peacock. Casper, the friendly ghost, the friendliest ghost you know. Live-action series for Casper in development. Yeah. Very interesting. Uh, hey, uh, do not touch those effects. The effects from that original movie starring Christina Ricci were perfect. Don't. I don't like. Don't try and modernize it. Don't mi- make it try to look like a real boy. Don't sonic and the hedgehog. That just this be easier if they did it that way, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like those. Uh, I, <laughs> I know. I, some things just just do that. <laughs> Happy news for me, especially because I don't. I don't know if anybody else here watches uh, Severance on Apple TV Plus. I go over to a friend's place on Apple TV Plus. Sure, you um, do. Severance has been renewed for season two, uh, and they did this just before the season finale of, like the finale of season one, episode nine, dropped. I have got to say, the last episode of season one is one of the most tense Uh, 40 minutes. It's so good, and like the previous episodes have, have, have led to it. It's just, there's so much at stake. I haven't felt this invested in a show and its characters in a long time. And I am thrilled that there will be more severance because I love the concept. I love the characters, the casting choices. I love the music because I'm going through the series again. And now I'm hearing all sorts of like adaptations on the cues and um, it's really smart. It's really great. And I don't usually deep dive into a show 
until after I've seen, you know, a movie until after I've seen it or a show until after I've seen like a season of it. So I did my deep dive. And um, <clears throat> so the one character who's relevant to the geek pod that we, that we all know from other things, I, I don't have, I, this is my bad. Cause normally I'll look up an interview to see if I'm saying her name, right. But uh, Dykin Lockman, uh, who I first saw as Sierra in the Joss Whedon show Dollhouse. She was in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for a while. She was sort of the matriarch running this little hidden society kind of place. Mm. Anyway, she is in this series as a counselor. Um, and so that's great. But then I also read that uh, Michael... Chernus, maybe Chernus, um, is 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 in here. He's got a, a good supporting role, and I'm like, who is this guy? Oh, he was one of Vulture's henchmen in Spider-Man: Homecoming. Oh, yeah. He was the guy who they known as the Tinkerer. He had a little thing mm, where yeah. you throw the four things, and you you could phase through the materials. And in one of the four principal roles is Zach Cherry, uh, who you may not know by name but was the street vendor who yelled up at Spider-Man and Spider-Man Homecoming and then was the guy taking the video yeah. on the bus of Shang-Chi. Uh, Clev uh, was his name there. Yeah, and he is, he's got like one of the four major roles mm. in the show and he's excellent. He's absolutely like fully dimensioned uh, in this show and I cannot recommend this show highly enough and i'm thrilled it's come back for season two how many episodes were there in the first season nine okay yeah i'm gonna go very doable over to your friend's house and watch good idea the friend can't be me because i'm really wanting to watch this too this thing is getting right do it how do we slip right into reviews and recommendations here but um seriously like it's getting so many good recommendations Mm -hmm. i hate to say it it's just because it's an incredibly solid show yeah. Great premise, great writing, great acting, great dialogue. It has this awkwardness to it, which is just, I don't know how they manifest it. It's so mm. good. Yeah. Like it is, it is just a whole other world, this basement floor of the workplace. Um, it is such a weird, like contrast to, you know, you see these characters when they're out in the, in the sort of the real world, as it were, it's, Phenomenal show. Great premise. Yeah, it it is such a cool, interesting, unique new premise. Bit more geek news proper, specifically on Will Smith. He's been banned from attending the Oscars for a decade. And I think we lump all these all four of these in the We are, yeah. And then the Academy has moved up a meeting to decide on more sanctions for him. And um then there was this Fox News article, which, Paul, you had a great take on, honestly, about other people who have been uh, kicked out of the Academy, uh, like Roman Polanski and Bill Cosby and Harvey Weinstein, uh, Richard Gere, Susan Sarandon, and Tim Robbins, all in 1993. Uh, and finally, uh, a, a guest-written column by Harry Lennox, who was Commander Locke in the Matrix movies and lots of other things, but also Commander Locke in the Matrix movies, uh, who says that Will Smith must return his Oscar quote out of respect for the 94 years of honor conferred upon this award. Yeah. Commander Locke was an, a love interest to Niobe, too. That's in true. Movies. That's true. Played by Jada Pinkett. <sighs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They probably but. should do something about all those other guys, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> probably. Yeah. Last four things in a speed round. Oh. 
It just happened from April 8th to 10th. There was a limited pre-order window. Uh, Fluvog got together with Star Trek, and apparently all the characters on Strange New Worlds will be wearing the Starfleet boot, which I will admit looks pretty danged amazing. Yeah? Not, uh, not of interest to me because it's a boot, like a, like a freaking thigh-high boot, yeah. but a uh, huge interest to me because A, it's Fluvog, B, it looks so cool. Like your your um, your TOS insignia, like built into the side of the boot. Cool, really neat circuitry looking soles. They always design really cool soles, Fluvog. Um, yeah, so it's it's done. It's over. Um, uh, but yeah, so between April eighth and tenth, you could pre-order it for five hundred dollars. Wow! Ah. Fluvogs will average between two and three hundred dollars. It is a uh, a very you know, sure. uh, you know what you're getting into if you're getting into flu box, but uh, yeah, that's definitely on their higher end. And they're all like all the cast is wearing these things. Apparently so. Yeah. yeah wow. I mean, they did. It was classic Star Trek. Them, you know, we're wearing like uh, what do you call those? Kinky boots or uh, uh, go 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 boots, right? Go go boots. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like in the yeah. It is a it is a uniform. So for a uniform look, I'm pretty sure he's going to be wearing them. Yeah, and there's also a gray version of them too, which look kind of cool. I can imagine like yeah, they come in black and gray. Yeah, the uh, medical staff wearing those. Yeah, very cool. Cool, yeah. cool, cool. Okay, next. Epic Games has finally launched Unreal Engine 5. I think they announced this like two years ago. Unreal Engine 5 is the gaming engine that the, the uh, Awaken the Matrix, that tech demo was built on, and some of the demo shots that they have released from this. It's just going to make gaming look even cooler, even scarier, Uncanny Valley. <laughs> Aya Cash, who played Stormfront, uh, or Clara Reisinger, uh, will not be returning for The Boys Season 3. Makes no. sense, just based on what happened to her character. And, uh, <laughs> Morbius. Did they go to heaven? <laughs> I don't know. I didn't watch it. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> the director of Morbius said, uh, I, I have a lot of self-hatred. <laughs> um, oh, no. I'm sorry, oh, Daniel Espinosa. Oh, my goodness. No, it's... Um, <laughs> But Kirsten passed so uh, this uh, article along uh, because uh, there was a, a thing that came out about Jared Leto. Jared Leto. Leto? Jared Leto uh, reportedly slowing down the whole production by insisting that, of course, he stay in character and uh. continue to use his crutches during things like bathroom break. Yeah. So, so apparently he, yeah, um, he, he kept needing to, like, if he needed to go to the bathroom, he would hobble on crutches to the bathroom because he was method acting. Right, yeah, because he's he got, been having this pain his whole life. It got so annoying that uh, I think Daniel Espinosa finally was just like, okay, let's just get him in a fucking wheelchair and wheel him to him. Oh, so my God. Uh, ridiculous. I don't know, man. We're a vampire. Fly to the freaking bathroom. Oh, I'm I mean, so annoyed by all this. I watched, um, and I've heard this like this take before, but uh, Timothy Oliphant was on uh, Conan one time years ago. It just mm. This came up for me recently, talking about how uh, uh, egotistical it is to method act. He's like, don't yeah. do that. Yeah. It's like, you don't need to do that. And it no. doesn't make you better. I don't, you know, it's like, I mean, Daniel Day-Lewis has got a mantle full of Oscars that might disagree with him. <laughs> But, uh, you know, it's like in most cases, I think he may be right that it is like, uh, you're just holding things up here, dude. We know you're just wandering over to craft services to eat a Pop-Tart, which didn't exist in the 1800s. So just (laughs) shut up 
and yeah, it's get, so you know, true. and especially to that level where it's really holding things up. That's so oh. brutal. Look yeah. to me, method acting is like say Tom Holland in Spider Man, where he's not going to break out of he's not going to break into his English accent. Right, <laughs> exactly. His accent. A sure. simple thing that you can still be a awesome. human being and take direction from your director, you know, while while doing. But yeah, somebody um, just said in in an interview recently. I completely forget who it was. It was not Louis C.K. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was not good look, Paul. Oh, but he man. said <laughs> he said that like method acting is not an excuse for bad behavior. Mm-hmm. It's great call. Fun. Great don't, call. Don't you know get cast as a Joker and send used condoms to your you know your, your castmates. Oh my god! Yeah, I, while that that didn't grind Jared Leto's acting career to uh-huh. a, to a halt, uh, yeah. this mm-hmm. is not uh, wow. Um, gonna work out well for him. And I, but it bums me out that the director feels like some self hatred or whatever you said there, bud. Yeah. That's too bad. That's a bummer. People work hard on these movies, and it's fun to rag on them and be dicks for fun. But I don't want anyone to feel that sad about themselves. Yeah, he says it's strange. It's a strange thing to make something that is so public. And I have a lot of self hatred, so I have a lot of criticism about my work. I'm always trying to focus on being better, but I'm also really proud of what I do. There are parts of all my movies that I'm really proud of. But oh, that sounds like a very tortured <laughs> thing to say. All right, some listener mailbag. Zoner Bryce let us know a while back, and this is my fault for missing this, that Moonfall, that amazing looking movie where the moon is fake, is now on Prime Video. That actually came out on April 1st. Oh boy, that um, thing too. Holy smokes. I, I heard some more things about it. Wow, 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 you guys. We gotta watch that too. <laughs> holy smokes. It's, uh, so Roland Emmerich, right? Um, yep. Mr. Disaster. Uh, and they lost a fortune on this thing. Oh, I'll yeah. bet they did, starting with the casting. Like, I think it had a budget of like $140 million, and it uh, maybe brought back in $40 million. Oh, <gasps> ouch. Yeah, like oh. it is such – it may be one of the biggest bombs of all time, if not the biggest. Like it is a Dang. devastating bomb. It is going to completely shut down, you know, this type of uh, big disaster-y movies, you know, that used to be Let's an hope. event. That used to be event. Uh, you would well, go and sure. see a Roland Emmerich movie, right? And it's like it's another false start for him, for him uh, after you know he was trying to set up this like cinematic universe with Independence Day two and all that, oh, and that right, didn't work. Right. Oh god, that was horrible. <laughs> right, yep. and and apparently this thing ends in a similar way, just like wink, 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 tr- setting up for a sequel. But it's just Stop like it. absolutely not. It's like way over complicated too. It's not just that the moon is falling, but also that like there's. There's some uh, self-aware um, artificial intelligence from beyond in space that comes and like burrows into the moon and then like oh, God. makes the moon into a tiny little Dyson sphere. Like it, and it's like all of these. <laughs> no, I'm serious. It's like it's all these insane sci-fi concepts like mushed together, all sloppily and uh, just brutal. Great. Great. Oh, Terrible. let's all watch it for fun. <laughs> oh, hey, speaking of things going to streaming services, uh, the Batman will be on Crave on Monday. What? Oh, really? Yeah. That's actually great. I would kind of love to see that movie again. I want to see that one scene where he talks to the Joker. Oh, it's on YouTube already. Oh, oh boy. Oh, oh, boy. Oh, I don't care. <laughs> Uh, next in the mailbag, the Cowich and Lake TikTok account. 
clipped our podcast where we talked about the couch and like TikTok oh, account, no. and it was kind of great. They oh, no. they gave a shout out to our shout out and posted a clip of the pod. Um, it was great. They got some mutual admiration going on. It's awesome. Yeah, that's yeah. nice. Did they gonna be like on every pod thing now? It's just right. <laughs> every episode he's gonna clip it <laughs> back and forth. Back and, then and we'll forth. go back and forth. Right. Did they use the part where I couldn't remember where Lake Cowichan, one of my favorite likes, is? I hope not. Because that was I embarrassing. If they got to that I, part. I think we. I think uh, they chirped me in some way. Maybe it was in a reply email. I was like, "Come on, Paul. Where you don't know where like Alchin is?" It's like, "Oh yeah, duh. I can't believe I said that out loud. Of course I do. It's my favorite place to go. I, the river, the river mostly. But I've been. I camped on the lake many times. But every summer, multiple times, I float down that river. Duh. I know where the. And they didn't. Is. I don't. Yeah, because I saw the. T- I saw the TikTok. They didn't also clip it to the part where you said. Sprout is better. Oh, that yeah, I'm sure there's a reason they didn't do that. Kirsten was ready to chirp back at the old couch and lake account because I'm pretty sure they tagged Jenny instead of Kirsten. But anyway, oh, whoops. Uh, next up, Zoner Ewan writes. Uh, hey, Republic's nerfed, right? I didn't know the, where the lake was. I forgot which lake was which. You forgot which human being was who. It happens. <laughs> oh dear. Oh my goodness. Republic's nerfed. Well, but he's nerfed. Um, Zona Ewan sent in an, a, a news article about, he says this sarcastically, real life superheroes and finds this uh, a little bit too real and bleak compared to the typical fun geek out content. I did, however, find it rather amusing. There is a guy who goes around as uh, Phoenix Jones, like he's, he's just, he's a human being, um, but he goes around sort of as a, as a costumed vigilante and he would stop car thieves and prevent drunk people from getting into their um getting into their cars and breaks up fights and like actually became honestly and sort of part of a three person at least a team of superheroes el caballero midnight sun and phoenix jones um and yeah this guy seemed to sort of be on the rise until he was arrested for allegedly he's trying to sell class a drugs to an undercover police officer in 2020 um and this has led to uh, apparently quite a wild podcast called the superhero complex which i just heard about today and might check out an episode or two of and might listen to if it's uh if it's good but just the idea um that there are vigilante superheroes out there in real life that's kind of wild i honestly wasn't sure that was a thing that would last more than you know five minutes per superhero when they get you know punched or shot or something yeah it's not smart to do that no no and it's police generally don't like it either there's yeah there's zero about it that is superhero it's like nobody has magic powers that makes them invincible so it's yeah. you know and like and no sorry no one's batman in real life that's yeah. <laughs> funnily enough like batman's the most fictional one of all that like any one human being would be able to yeah. pull off that type of thing and um batman's not wearing hockey pads yeah, that's yeah. right trying yeah. to help i don't need help yeah, that and, is that's what everybody looks like when they try and do that. And yeah, it's yeah, brutal exactly. and bad and dangerous and it's vigilantism. Finally, uh, again from Zoner U and Marvel Studios is hosting a Doctor Strange uh, in the Multiverse of Madness art contest that he suggests that Kirsten enters so that she could possibly uh, meet Benedict Cumberbatch at the, uh, <laughs> at the premiere. <laughs> and then in his face, go, Benedict Cumberbatch! <laughs> All right, on to reviews and recommendations with Brian's 91-second movie review of Apollo 10 and a half, colon, A Space Age Childhood. 
Oh, really? Are we going to start with that one and not the... Uh... Okay, that's fine. Uh, we're starting yeah, no. with... A zone in 91.3, 91-second movie review. Five, four, three, two, and... Action! In Apollo 10 and a half, a space-age childhood, director Richard Linklater takes his signature rotoscope animation style of filmmaking, seen in movies like A Scanner Darkly and Waking Life, and applies it to this nostalgic coming-of-age story about American life in the 1960s. The film tells a story about the first moon landing in the summer of 1969 through interwoven perspectives of NASA and a child growing up in Houston, Texas with his own intergalactic aspirations. Said child named Stan is a fourth grader who, by his account, was recruited by NASA to be the actual first person to land on the moon. Stan's adult self, voiced by Jack Black, narrates the story and not only tells the viewer about his experiences training for this top secret mission, but also gives us a glimpse into what it was like for him growing up in the 1960s. I had a decent enough time with the movie. I mean, it's not at all what I expected, but I ultimately enjoyed what it turned out to be. If that makes any sense. And oddly enough, it wasn't until about halfway through the film that I realized the story was not so much about the mission, but more about Stan's place as the youngest member of a large family. I could see that being a negative for some viewers, especially those who may not have even a sliver of connection to a childhood in that era. I mean, I'm a child of the 80s and 90s, so I can't say that I'm old enough to truly possess a nostalgic connection to summer in the late 60s, but growing up, I really enjoyed shows like The Wonder Years and movies like The Sandlot or Stand By Me, so Apollo 10 and a half, a space-age childhood, really rekindled my appreciation for those kinds of stories and sort of scratched a nostalgia itch I didn't even know I had. Cut! That's a wrap! Eh, he's muted. Unmute. You can get all of Brian's 91-second movie reviews at thezone.fm slash movies. Um, I had not heard of this movie until your 91-second movie review, and I watched the trailer, and I'm very interested in it. I mean, I love, I love this. I love the Richard Linklater style. Yeah, I, 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 um, I guess I've only seen really two of of his movies that have done this, which is both the ones I mentioned in the movie, Scanner Darkly and Waking Life. Waking Life is way more indie than, mm. than anything it's it's like a it's a talkie um but it's very very interesting in terms of like you know talking about lucid dreaming and the, the guy trying to figure out whether or not he's dead like or oh, if he's wow. a dream mm. um and so that really fit the animation style because it was very dreamlike and then it's basically like if you don't know how it's done it's basically filmed with a run-of-the-mill digital camera they could have filmed the whole thing on an iphone Yes. Um, and then rotoscoping then just colors in the lines and, and, and makes it look sort of animated. So you get – so Zachary Levi is one of the NASA guys. You can make you, – you can tell that it's him, but it's, you know, sort of this animated version of him. And it's 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 weird. You, you, you might get this kind of uncanny valley sort of feel to it even though it's like – Especially in the movement. Yeah, cartoon animation. But yeah, the movement, it's like the – because of the way rotoscoping is done, it's not completely fully synced to the voices. Sometimes you just see the mouth moving a little bit slower than the voice comes out. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, I, I didn't think it was like super distracting. And I actually, I, yeah, I, this is the first movie that Rick, Richard Linklater did with this animation style that... You, you don't forget that he's using the animation style. It just, it doesn't become a distraction. 
Cool. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Because you, I was gonna say, like, you kind of know what you're getting yourself into when you watch one of these movies. When you, like, the second, and it's very recognizable, so it's very early that you, you know, like, oh yeah, it's one of these. You know, like, yeah. um, the old uh, Ralph Bakshi Lord of the Rings movies are these way, mm-hmm. right? And you kind of like get what it's gonna be pretty early on, and then and then you you just kind of accept the limitations of the technology and 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 the style and how it's gonna look the whole time and. Uh, and then you just kind of moving on, but um, I, I, yeah, the movie itself sounds really fascinating too, though. Yeah, um, and it if is. it was able uh, to put you it. in that place, you said you know that was like not very relatable for your own nostalgia. Yeah, but it it felt like I was watching, um, you know, movies that are like like The Sandlot. That's sort of yeah. got an older narrator. So in this case, the older narrator is Jack Black, and he does a phenomenal job at narrating. Yeah. I thought he, nice. he did a really good job at that. Cool. Um, but yeah, it, when I first see the trailer, you think it's about, it's purely about the NASA mission with this kid, but really you kind of come to learn like, and it's, it's funny because like they take a, they take an aside kind of in the first act. Like they, they start off with him getting recruited and him starting to go through some physical training of like going into space. And then they take this aside to be like, well, let me back it up a little bit. And then they get, he gets into like his family dynamic because he's a part of a big family and like the things that they like to do. And that aside takes so long that you almost forget that, mm. oh yeah, he's telling a story about how he's training to be an, like a, the youngest astronaut. That's very interesting. They sort of like sucker you in with the cool space stuff mm-hmm. and then get you into the story for a minute before they throw you back in space. Yeah. I like that. Good idea. All right. Next up, Brian's 91 second movie review of everything, everywhere, all at once. And now. A zone at 913, 91 second movie review. Five, four, three, two, and. Action! Everything Everywhere All at Once is an incredibly complex film that capitalizes on pop culture's resurging fascination with the multiverse to tell a deeply personal story about a woman who feels like her life is going nowhere. This movie is, for lack of a better term, crazy. To put its craziness into perspective, the directing duo behind the film, known to many as the Daniels, got their big break directing the music video to DJ Snake's Turn Down For What. Because of the film's main plot, this will likely be compared to the multiverse concepts we've been exposed to recently from superhero action blockbusters that mainly explored the large-scale possibilities of the multiverse with astronomical budgets for giant explosions and elaborate effects. And don't get me wrong, they're some of my favorite kinds of movies. But what impressed me about this film is that the Daniels managed to encompass all of that with a fraction of the budget and simultaneously give us an intimate tale of finding hope and happiness amongst despair. Now, back to the craziness for a second, this is some of the most frenetic and turbulent filmmaking I've seen on screen in the last several years. It's a mix of breathtaking visuals, intense action, and fight choreography and bizarre humor all anchored by a masterful performance by Michelle Yeoh. Despite its rather long runtime, the film never stops moving, and because of its frantic nature, I never really felt myself bored at any point during my watch. Everything Everywhere All at Once is pretty brilliantly layered and can be enjoyed on many levels. It has everything including exciting action, hilariously absurd comedy, and a whole lot of heart. It created memorable moments pretty much everywhere amongst its different multiverse settings, and it manages to connect with people in different ways all at once. Cut! That's a wrap! You can still find all of Brian's 99 oh, reviews we- of the Zone.com social movies. Um, I am 
didn't get around to seeing that this week. I am desperate to see this movie. I love Michelle Yeoh. I love James Hong more. Uh, I love the idea of this whole movie. Uh, if, if you're going to talk spoilers, I'm going to be cans down because um, I still want to see it. No, I don't think there's any any real reason to talk spoilers. Brian, what Can- do you think? Now nah, who's muted? Ding dong. I <laughs> <laughs> ah, did it. The mic is No, I don't think so. I, I don't think we really okay. need to spoil anything about it. No. Um, um uh, Yeah, what a movie. And uh doing real well. Doing real well. Ninety-six percent on the tomatometer, ninety-four uh, percent oh, audience score. Jeez. Um I I'm trying to think here if I want to rag on it a little bit first before or after your stuff. Let me rag on it first, Brian, if you don't mind. <laughs> you had a good review. I agree with uh, everything you said in the review. Uh, you know, all those positives are absolutely present. Um, and then uh, the story, the behind the scenes thing that you told us about is really cool as well. So I want to, I want you to say that too, but let me rag first. Okay. Um, way too long. And it, and not only was it long, too long, it dragged in places, and uh, there was a lot of places where it needed to pick it up. I was sitting next to you, Brian, and I hope it wasn't bothering you going honk shoe, honk shoe, because I did fall asleep for a little bit. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, straight up, it was. It there was, and I think that the powerful message it was trying to make, it still made, but it would have been a lot more powerful if you would have been able to do it without me falling asleep. Um, that's all. And I, I'll let me, let me not rag for a minute too, because I think there's other things I want to say positive about this movie. And, um, that is that, uh, you know, what an original idea, you know, it builds on something that we do know about, but presented in a completely new way, which I really was appreciating. Yes. The cast was phenomenal. Michelle Mm -hmm. Yeoh. Unbelievable. Everybody else, Jamie Lee Curtis, what the heck? Yeah. Uh, the daughter who played Joy there, so good. And the husband, and all the supporting, all the bad guys, everything. The humor was perfect. The like, the, everything was really, really good. I, I, I will admit, there was so, so much about it that I really loved that it's kind of a bummer that it wasn't just a little bit better. Um, and it, I think it could have been, but, but again, like the, don't let that take away. I, Cause I think really it like, it is a triumph of a movie. It's just a little bit fun to, um, you know, I've seen the outlier uh, film critics mm-hmm. have real beefs with it and have fun with those beefs. And I think that they're fair beefs, yeah. you know, um, uh, maybe that's only fairly similar, like, like the length of the movie or yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's often it's often based on the length and the kind of too much and everything like that. But here's another positive I'll give this movie that I kept thinking about is like, wow, you're taking this like Im- immensely difficult, confusing, convoluted premise and um, idea and concept, and you're explaining it to me in a way that is fun, and I get it. I mm. never was confused, mm. you know, and it, and it could have been a confusing movie, certainly, with this kind of concept behind it. Um, I, I thought it was really cool in the way that, um, um, I don't know, maybe this is a spoiler, but maybe throw those cans off for a sec there, bud. Thank you. Um, just the fact that, like, uh, at one point, I'm just like, this is still happening in the IRS? Yeah. All this action movie, this much of it? 
happening in the IRS? What? And I thought that was like really cool, like a really bold, brave, sweet, awesome um, choice to make. Uh, what I uh, here, come on back there, bud. Come on back. Um, I just and wanted to uh, read um, uh, Art's worthless review. Um, he says, uh, boy, that title really works. This film could mean a lot of different things to specific viewers. It's creative in getting to its main themes. Michelle Yeoh and casts are standouts, as was the action choreography. Slightly too long. Hashtag arts worthless reviews. Um, it's a pretty good review. Uh, you know, I, I mean, that is. And I think that's really fair. And I, all, all I said in response was, for sure, too long. I had a little sleep for a bit. Otherwise, fun <laughs> and original. Comfy chairs, dude. <laughs> I don't know. I've had a busy week. Uh, yeah. uh, at one point, I thought, has this entire thing happened all within the IRS office? Terrific. Cast effects, action, humor, all fantastic. So there it is. Um, but there's some other reviews out there you should go check out that kind of kind of do a fun job of ragging on it now brian hmm. can you tell that behind the scenes story oh well the the be, kind of behind the scenes thing is that um uh the director the, the or the directors the daniels they have actually revealed when writing the movie they had originally written it with a different actor in yes. mind Yes, as the protagonist, and it was Jackie Chan. Ooh, which would have been pretty amazing, right? Because yeah. I don't, when's the last time we saw Jackie Chan in anything big? And I would have loved to see him in all these wacky situations. Truly, yeah, well, and like because uh, it would be cool to see, interesting to see him in a uh, a dramatic role or something that would really stretch his acting chops. Because he said before in interviews, and he's been not. I feel bad because he hasn't been taken seriously before uh-huh. in that. Like he's, he's been wanting to do serious acting roles, but obviously he's typecast into this. Very you know, typecast. Yeah. Um, so like, I, I actually, if you haven't seen the foreigner, there you go. That's a, that's a pretty good role, you know, for him in like, he gets to do the, the kick-ass Kung Fu stuff, but it's all about sort of investigating um, the death of his daughter. And so he plays this really serious, this really serious role. Thing is, though, the Daniels hit a bit of a writer's block when they had. I guess it was like maybe they had it in mind that it was going to be Jackie Chan as as the husband, and then Michelle Yeoh as the wife. But Michelle, like the wife character, is going to be sort of in the background, or she'll be sort of the um, yeah. She'll, so she'll be kind of like the secondary character, and Jackie Chan would be the main character. But because and- no Jackie Chan, she was promoted well no it's it's that they hit a bit of a writer's block with jackie chan as the protagonist oh they, they sort of got to a point in writing the story where they're like ah, i don't know how much further we can take this okay where it like just the emotional arc of the character whereas then they they when they flipped it so that it's it's sort of a motherly figure um it's it's the wife uh it just opened up so much more. And I think and that's kind of what I really liked about, you know, Michelle Yeoh's character, especially the one who we're focusing on. Cause like, obviously this is about multi uh, multiverse and multiple versions of her character. And they're, you know, you could, you can see in this that they're like more sort of quote unquote successful versions of her mm-hmm. and why her character. And, and this is to your point, Paul, why you're like, oh, well, they're still in the IRS, why they focus on that character the most and why she's sort sort of the most verse, uh, most, um, most, uh, able to quick, like 
pick up on what quote unquote verse jumping, which is sort of like jumping to different forms of yourself to be able to pull out skills from that and bring it into your cool. The reason why is because her version, that version of her character is sort of the biggest failure. Oh, she's doing the least. So she's got sort of most of most yeah. of the, the spare time to be able to well, do this. She's the one that's been the most subjected to rejection, oh. to, to failures, to just letting things sort of pass her by that, you know, verse jumping for her would just come a little bit easier than any other version of her. What a great concept. Um, but and, and so that's what I love about the movie is that the movie is this giant multiverse movie that has universal consequences like the end of the universe. But then it brings it back down to this one character that they centralized in the story and that the Daniels wrote about. And uh, yeah, I, and I, I just love how that really just them putting Michelle Yeoh into this and being like, what if it's a mother, you know, and that opens it up. You know, I, I thought that was a, a pretty brilliant move. So that's so cool. All right. Next up, something I neglected to R&R last week when I R&R'd my Steam Deck. And that was the game that was released for free as sort of a tech demo to introduce you to the Steam Deck. And that is a game called Aperture Desk Job. And it's, you know, you're, it's a first person view. You're working at a desk, which looks, has all the same buttons and controls as your Steam Deck, amazingly. And you're being narrated to by, um, by a robot, by one of those eyeball robots. It's, it's an artificial intelligence core. Um, the Aperture Company is the setting of the Portal games. So um, the uh, Grady, your eyeball, who uh, is talking to you, um, he's played by a voice voiced so well by a comedian named Nick Bargatze, which maybe might ring a bell for some people. He's been on uh, The Late Night with Conan O'Brien and The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. Um, incredible acting job from him. And he just takes you through how to use the deck, and there's a little bit of plot. But... The, the boss, uh, uh, the CEO of Aperture, um, I think it's Industries, uh, Cave Johnson, is played by um, J.K. Simmons, huh. yeah, cool. uh, which is great. It was I, I didn't know going into this. It was very um, a, a big surprise. And he does a great job as the as as the boss, as as Cave Johnson. So, yeah, it's a free game. It's a. Uh, probably best experienced with a steam deck uh, otherwise I'm, I'm sure you can play it with a regular controller but uh, it might be a little bit more difficult uh, and the other thing i wanted to uh r and r on my steam deck which i downloaded to play on the steam deck and have just started and i'm only a few hours into is horizon zero dawn and this is a game that kirsten has played not only the original Horizon Zero Dawn, because this game is from 2017. She just started playing Horizon Forbidden West, which is the sequel. It's a PS4 exclusive for now, but eventually it will come to PCs and Steam Decks all around the world. And from what little I know about it, it's just set in this cool world where the the animals, like the, the birds and dinosaurs and horses and everything, are robots. Mm. So... But they they act like pack animals, you know, uh, they just happen to have lights and cameras and, you know, you can shoot canisters on their back to to kill them. And your protagonist, uh, Aloy, just a very cool redheaded ass kicker who you see her as a as a little girl and struggles and everything. And then she does a tumble roll and she's 18 and she's trying to prove herself within her uh, within her uh, her tribe. And 
yeah, phenomenal game so far. Um, it's like an RPG, like a runaround third person, and uh, I'm enjoying the heck out of it. And I'm playing it on my stream at twitch.tv slash webmeisterbud Sundays at 7.30. Um, uh, but I want to ask you about your... your um what is it? Your little doodad there. What's it called? The again? Steam Deck. Steam Deck. <laughs> my Steam uh, Deck doodad. Yeah. <laughs> I um uh, I saw a video uh, recently from uh, one of my absolute favorite tech reviewers. Uh, do you know Marquez Brownlee? Oh yes, yeah. I think so. M-K-A-B-H-D. Yes, 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 yes. I know him by that acronym too. Yeah. Great, great, phenomenal. One of my all-time favorite YouTubers. So good. Such a a lot of people's favorite. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He's unreal and plays ultimate frisbee as well professionally. Nice. Pretty cool guy. Anyways, he so he put up a review on YouTube that I thought was interesting. His his kind of takeaway was the Steam Deck is incomplete but fun. Do you kind of agree with that or or I completely agree with that because um Steam unto itself is geared for PC gamers and PC gamers are a a, a group of folks that in general like to tweak they like to build their own systems they like to and you know and with PC games because every PC is different you have the ability to and you need the ability to turn down the shaders or you know turn up the ray tracing or just play it as, as a, at a lower resolution just because every system is different the reason console games are so consistent is because for the life of the console everything has every console has the same processor the same mm-hmm. ram the same mm-hmm. video card so PC gamers are used to tweaking and this is a PC full of tweaks with as many tweaks as like a Windows system, even though it's it's a Linux uh, operating system. So there are and, and again, we're in the first quarter of this thing being released. They've only been shipping these things for about two months. Like I am the only non tech reviewer I know that has one of these things mm. and somebody who who, uh, you know, on that that sunny day back last june when the pre-orders opened up at 10 and i was like fighting with the website for eight minutes and i got in and i got my order in q1 people who got in half an hour later through website crashes they're not getting theirs until q3 um so like the demand for these is huge um so this it's it's very early days for this so i totally understand that um uh, marcus would call this um, incomplete because they're going to patch the heck out of this. Like when I first opened it up, it w- there was a message on it, something like, Hey, because this one literally just rolled off the factory floor, <laughs> we've got a big update to send to you. Mm-hmm. And they, and they did that. So I reckon there are going to be certainly uh, a number of firmware updates through the life of this thing. And yeah, I certainly have little issues with it. Like I immediately turned off the haptic feedback on the cool little thumb pads because it was like, (laughs) like you could think about touching it and the whole thing would vibrate. Uh, I mean, I plug it in to uh, uh, an HDMI, uh, a capture card to, to put it on my stream. And sometimes when I, when I unplug it, the screen doesn't come back and I have to plug it back in and unplug it for the screen to come back when I'm handholding it. It's, it has all the quirks of a PC. And the thing is, I was ready for it because I was watching reviews of pre-release units um, as they came out. You can boot this thing to a Linux desktop. And, and if you know Linux, you can use it just like a Linux desktop. So 
it doesn't surprise me just from where it comes from, you know, Valve, this company who is all about the the PC games and everything, that yeah, they're going to make it as tweaky and customizable as possible. And because of that, I believe, yeah, it will feel incomplete for the first little while. Hmm. Sorry, long answer. No, that's neat. I listened to a jazz album while I was putting together the cue sheet today and while I was working. Thank you to Zoner Shiloh on the GeekPod group for this. Linked to a 2015 video from Sub Pop about H. John Benjamin, who, he, like, he was, he's Sterling Archer in Archer. He's Bob Belcher in, in Bob's Burgers. He was yeah. Carl in Family Guy. Like, he's... He's just a, he's just a great actor, writer, comedian, and musician. And it, this video that we'll link to um, tells the story of him putting together his first jazz album. And it, it, the jazz album is called H. John Benjamin, Jazz Daredevil. And the title of the album is, well, I should have dot, 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 asterisk. And honestly, I wish, I wish so much that the Sub Pop video had stopped at the asterisk, but they put what was beyond the asterisk um, uh, in in the title. So I, I kind of knew what was coming. Mm-hmm. So almost spoilery, if you would like to hear a very fascinating jazz album involving H. John Benjamin with a hilarious uh, opening skit uh, with Kirsten Schaal and uh, Aziz Ansari. No kidding. Uh, as the first track. Yeah. Please go and listen to that now and then come back to the podcast because I'm going to reveal what the asterisk is. The asterisk is, well, you know, well, I should have asterisk learned to play piano. Uh H. John Benjamin got three phenomenal jazz musicians into the studio (laughs) and they record an album and John is literally just plinking nonsense on the piano. Is this he for real? He does not know is this how actually... to play piano. Are you serious? Like, and he says, like, he is not particularly interested in jazz, um, you know, which might be a line because even though the notes are basically most all wrong, they have that cadence. They have that sort of jazz piano yes. feel to it, which yes. maybe you get as a casual jazz listener. But um, honestly... <laughs> A hilarious experience to go through my day listening to this album of legit great jazz drums, sax, bass, and then H. John Benjamin just flailing, just so badly flailing for an entire album. Um, And there's a fun little interlude in the middle, which Mm. is very funny. Mm. Um, I honestly would definitely recommendation. Had no idea this was a thing in 2015. Thank you, Zoner Shiloh, for that. Also related, um, literally a related video that Paul got was uh, John Benjamin Voices Hal in 2001, A Space Odyssey. Very funny. Have also linked to that. Please go see that. Yeah, it's, I mean, those those two things is kind of... Uh, backs up how talented and funny this guy is, oh and uh, that's so crazy. I didn't realize that was a real legit thing. It looked to me as like I was watching a funnier die sketch, right? But, yeah, no, it's but you know eight, what? Nine it, track album. He wasn't bad enough at piano for it to be truly that funny. Like he wasn't playing that up for laughs. So this makes total sense now that he was actually he was trying. Trying's best. Yeah. yeah, was he trying? He went into this concept. Yeah, exactly. To make a comedy jazz album. And yeah, <laughs> new sort of just enough to be dangerous but not truly how to hit the proper notes. <laughs> yeah. The guy is a musician. He knows about, you know, song structure and music theory, uh, you know, like every 
Bob's Burgers show is a musical right now. And the guy is oh. like, he is kind of like I am, I believe, a good, bad singer. Like he's confident enough in his singing to sing badly sure. well. Yeah. And he does that in Bob's Burgers. So no surprise. He's definitely got some musical chops. He just not on the piano and it's great is that like a commentary then on jazz itself uh, undoubtedly undoubtedly i know, it's, I know. It's funny. like i've been watching uh ever since john batiste won the uh album of the year at the right. yeah one we are is a phenomenal album i've uh, been listening to that non-stop nice and then i've been actually been going to see some of his old videos like of you know 30 40 minute jazz sets where oh, he's playing and then love that you know, and then like it would feature you know the the person on the the stand-up bass or or the person on the piano or the person on the drums um or which was yeah and so it, it just it was really I, I i love it i've been starting to because of that I've been starting to get a little bit more into jazz but now i'm gonna check this out because oh definitely because yeah. like you know casual jazz listener like i'm aware of jazz i listen to jazz just as part of my musical um like education and so i'm not like an expert on it but i know that the other three guys in this band are legit and john is just and you can hear him you can hear john just yelling stupid things off mic like the piano is mic and he's just yelling stuff that the piano mic at the back of the piano is picking up and it's just it's it was quite an experience, not anything like I was expecting to have today, and I'm grateful for it. So thank you, Shiloh, for that. That's great. Finally, in reviews and re- recommendations, finally for the Geek Out podcast, Moon Knight Season 1, Episode 2. I have to start by apologizing because I actually it was just yesterday that I finished the last episode of the pod, <laughs> and I was, I was just kind of re-listening through our discussion about Moon Knight, mm-hmm. and I yelled at myself. No. Because I uh, was talking about an Easter egg. What did you say? And I uh, was talking about the title of a comic book, the first comic book where Moon Knight... Appeared. The one that you got from the QR code? Yeah. So last week I said that, and I, I said, for whatever reason, I called it Werewolf in London. Yeah, I uh, heard that, of J. but Giles, obviously. So the actual title is Werewolf by Night. Uh, <laughs> that's a radio guy mistake that i will let slide that's yeah. funny but i yelled at myself i'm like you idiots Why did you say that? but he appears he, moon knight first appears in werewolf by night issue 32 and that's where the qr code leads you uh and then there are a couple so other funny. like little easter eggs uh to werewolf like to, that allude to werewolf by night uh um in this uh second episode and we'll get into that in general, though, loving this show, it's it's great. And freaking Oscar Isaac cannot mm-hmm. deny this guy's acting is yeah. incredible. Absolutely loving it. And I meant to say from last um, episode, the voice of the big scary thing, which we didn't have a name for uh, until this episode, mm-hmm. the voice actor... I guess we should be saying spoilers at this point for the, the zoner units of the world. We're probably going to get into the weeds of it. Um, but yeah, the guy who voices Khonshu is um, F. Murray Abraham, who I only know from a show called, or from uh, not a show called, from the show Homeland. Uh, he played sort of a tertiary character named Dara Dahl, but he is, he was very good, very intense. And he just has those pipes. And I, I, I kind of like what his character is doing too, but nothing compares to how Oscar Isaac is just crushing this role. Mm-hmm. These roles, I should say. Mm. Yeah. 
Also, the the cinematography too. I forgot to mention this last week is that their use of like mirrors and reflections in shots definitely absolutely phenomenal like i remember in the first episode there was it's that first scene where he's talking to the the guy that's doing the tableau like the the living statue guy right and so be in the establishing shot it's just a, a wide shot of him in the fountain but i didn't realize until you know watching it a few times that the wide shot is not directly of him in the fountain it's of the reflection you know of oh. him oh and then the way it goes up and the, the way it reveals that it's no. reflection is that a leaf falls in the water. I didn't realize that either. That's amazing. So cool. Just And so then cool. obviously, and then they use that to affect with uh, Oscar Isaac um, doing the classic, you know, you sort of Willem Dafoe arguing with himself or, yes. or Gollum yes. arguing with himself in the, the reflection. They, they do that very well here. It's like, keep going, keep going, more and more. Do I keep going or do I, I was like, let Paul talk to you? What do you think about this episode? I didn't watch it. And so. Oh, oh sorry. dear. Sorry, man. Oh, jeez. No, that's okay. No, no. And go ahead. Cause I don't, I don't think I'll, you can ruin anything for me either. So. Okay. Yeah. So go for it. Well, okay. So Mark Spector kind of takes a little bit more of a, uh, a center stage in this. You start to get to know who Mark Spector is. So uh, for those who don't, and I guess we're already in spoilers. So if, if, you know, Get out if you don't yeah, want to no. know. <laughs> Spoiler! Thank you. But like, because Mark Spector is sort of the the center stage guy in the comics, mm-hmm. uh, it's not Stephen Grant. Uh, his backstory is that he, you know, he um, died in the desert in Egypt. Um, he gets b- betrayed by by this guy who becomes sort of this like his arch nemesis, like Raoul Bushman, and uh, he finds himself just as he's dying in front of this statue of Conchu. Um, so he, ple- he sort of pledged his soul to Conchu and made basically this deal with him. And that's how he became Moon Knight. Uh, and that's sort of starting to come out, right? Because it's like Conchu's now talking to him saying like, we had a deal. And if, if uh, you're not going to be the, my body, then I'm going to, you know, take over, you know, Layla. Um, and that's kind of that, that sort of that thing. So he feels like he's almost sort of forced into this. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I I really really like uh, where they're going with it because of how Oscar Isaac can can really carry it, and then I'm I'm liking I'm starting to like where the main conflict is is leading. It's like sort of leading into this, uh, like the main conflict. It's it is sort of between Amit and or Amit Emmet. Yep. Amit, A M M I T, and uh, Conchus. They're sort of it's like a sort uh, like a philosophical discussion about like original sin and whether or not it's just to punish sin before it's even been committed, right? Like pre crime and minority precogs. Yeah, um, they even you know this was something that was discussed in um, Captain America two in in the Winter Soldier, right? Like there's that Project Insight that could target people, right? That could potentially be a bad guy. That's right. Potentially do something bad, and then Hydra sort of flipped it on them to to sort of target good guys. But that's like the, that's sort of that philosophical discussion. Is that the right thing? to do because that would technically mean that you, you could be killing a kid because yep. a kid you know who hasn't done anything yet but could grow up to do something bad um big moral quandary yeah yeah it's just like it's also even in, in endgame where uh don Cheadle was talking about going back in time and killing baby thanos <laughs> right yeah exactly 
Um, so yeah, I, I'm really liking where that's kind of going. So you can see that where the two sides are are struggling because of like the kind of the yin and yang between Amit and Khonshu and their their two sort of opposing theories as to what is justice. Um, I like that you know they they showed. I, I did the the Leonardo DiCaprio the oh, purple purple magic. <laughs> yeah, is. that's right. This was the scene that we saw in the clip a few yeah. weeks ago where um, Handsome Hawk does the thing with the cane and the floor and the purple magic. Yeah, pointing and um, so it's obviously magic that's pulling from the dark dimension. So yeah. very much establishing him as the antagonist of this. Yeah. Um, and he shows that too. And there's like, there's this one thing where Layla sees him, like the, some guy finds the scarab, right. And the, this whole homeless guy. And he didn't do the, like the weighing of the scales or anything. He just straight no, up just killed him. Yeah. That's, and that was the interesting thing. I wasn't sure if he was capable of that. So apparently the whole weighing of the scales is just the, the pretext. Yeah. And I, I, and I, that's why I'm thinking maybe that joke that I made offhand last week about uh, the person that ended up surviving his little judgment thing in front of the fountain. Ah, he was just a fit, able-bodied guy that could become a henchman. Right. Right. Had nothing to do with his actual judgment. Yeah. An old lady. What am I going to do with an old lady? Let's kill her. Right. Yeah. Fair. Fair. Um, The, uh, there's a couple of, Oh, so, and the, the other thing too, so we get to see uh, a very, very popular comic costume version of Moon Knight, and that's the Mr. Knight costume. That was awesome. So, yeah, I loved it. I love what they did with it, but I think I loved it because I've only, like I said, I only read like a few epi- a few issues of Moon Knight, and I'm wondering if hardcore comic fans didn't love it so much. <coughs> Why do you think that? I think like because in the comics, Mark Spector created that outfit, and it 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 added this very like badass sort of stylish element, modern to the character, yeah. yeah, sort of modern, uh, and it was like kind of sort of the the spy version of Moon Knight. I didn't want to wear a cape, obviously, still wearing a white mask, and yeah, and yeah, but uh, it it's like him with style because he's got a suit on, yeah, um, and so it, it was very yeah, it's it's very. It's like this kind of like very badass version of it. And in the show, it's sort of played for laughs where they, this definitely Stephen Grant's suit. And then Mark Spector gets the cool superhero costume, right? And he's, so he's a, he's a little bit dopey in the suit, pretending like the box or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And he, and he summoned it by yelling the word suit. Yeah, exactly. That's before he hit his head on a lampstand. So, so I, I liked it. I, I really liked what they did with it because it's just like it's a Marvel thing. It's trying not to take itself too seriously. Right. And great. great. Um, Happy for it. In that scene, too, there's this really, really cool Easter egg uh, that I found was kind of like an Easter egg within an Easter egg. Oh. So he gets thrown up against the bus by the, 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 what is it? The dog, the, the, the jackal, the jackal. So he's fighting with the jackal. He gets thrown up against the bus, the bus ad. Did you see the bus ad? I, I looked at it, but I couldn't, I, and I figured it was something, but I don't know. I the bus ad is a GRC bus ad. So GRC in the Falcon and the winter soldier is that, Global repatriation the company. council, yeah, right, or not the company, the, the movement, yeah, yeah, the repatriation. Oh boy! So, um, it's it's basically like a government body that's trying to do something that you know, the obviously the flag smashers didn't agree with, right, right. Um, 
And so it, I, I love how they, they tie that into um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Just kind of like how you see Rogers the musical. Yeah, um, again, nothing unintentional in these, in these shows. But their tagline on the bus for the GRC bus ad is reuniting you with your better half. So the GRC, oh! their whole thing is to reunite people with like, because that two different world, people. Yeah. Well, half the planet got snapped away. Yeah. Right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Reuniting family, families and stuff. Uh, and this thing is sort of an Easter egg within an Easter egg because y- Mark Spector and Stephen Grant are dealing with two halves of each other. Two halves of the one hole. That's hilarious. Yeah. So I, I well done. Brilliant Easter egg right here because you're taking something from another show and making it fit within <sighs> this show. And so good. And it's just an Easter egg. It's just something in the background. So but worth it. Good fan service. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, that's where I started also then realizing oh I fucked up the name because the the top of the bus uh, the bus number is WN. 0032, which is Werewolf by Night. Oh, um, jeez. And then another thing, uh, so I read an article, uh, Simu Liu from Shang-Chi mm-hmm. uh, chirped this episode of Moon Knight. Oh, did he now? Yeah, because of Ethan Hawke's uh, Mandarin. Oh, sure. Oh. Well, Simu Liu probably has a little bit of right to do so. I guess, yeah. He's like, he basically said... Um, he said something to the effect like, "I, you know, what you guys got to get better Mandarin, uh, uh, translators or or or, or teachers or whatever." Oh boy! Because he criticized because there's a scene where Arthur Harrow is basically showing Stephen Grant through his little community that he's built, and it's like this community that's growing their own crops and and all that kind of stuff, um, and there's this guy in the community that I guess he grew something. He grew some crops and he's speaking to the guy. Neither of them are Chinese, but he's speaking to the guy in Mandarin and he's like, yeah, we're, we're learning different languages here. Um, so Simu Liu on Twitter, he, he says, all right, Arthur Harrow needs to fire his Mandarin teacher. Yeah. So the thing is in defense of, of Ethan Hawke and in, in defense of, I guess, Arthur Harrow, um, that one scene, he's actually explaining that they're they're learning new language. That I think they're teaching themselves. Yeah, they all want to learn three languages as part of their growth in this. So if they're teaching themselves, they might not necessarily be teaching that. If they're reading Mandarin from a book, exactly, whatever. blind that, leading the blind sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. You're it. Not always going right. to get you know, and especially any other language. But like, yeah, Mandarin, a lot of you know specifics oh. with your tonality. Exactly. Um, yeah. Exactly. And you, and you can't get that off of, you know, you can't necessarily get that off of teaching yourself. Like I tried, I've been trying to learn Cantonese ever since like Elisa and I got married and I would get like those CDs and stuff and listen to like different things. And it's, it's a lot, right? And so yeah. you also then need that person there that does speak the language to also like bounce things off of or. Right. Because there's so much context you don't have without yeah. that. So in my case, laugh at me with whatever I get it wrong. Uh, <laughs> Did you ever get close though? Did you ever get kind of good? I got a little bit, uh, and I can. I'm at the point now where I can kind of understand, like if Elise is talking to her her family on the phone. That's cool. That's neat. I can understand where the conversation is going. Yeah, but I just like even just like with me in, in Tagalog and or Beagle, like the Filipino dialects. I get self-conscious when I try. I know, me too. Because, yes, yes. because of the laughter. <laughs> I, mean, like, 
I left. The oh, I'm sorry, dude. That's no, tough. But it's, yeah. but it's just it's just a thing, right? And it's yeah. I left a voicemail for Elise's dad once when we were in Hong Kong, but obviously I was like, I can't leave this in English because he's not going to understand. Oh no. Thing from the voicemail. Yeah. So I left it for him in Cantonese and I tried my best. Um, and then he turned out, he didn't even get the voicemail until we were all at dinner. Anyway. <laughs> oh geez. So in front of me, oh, he was man. listening to it and I could see his face like light up. Uh, it's like, Oh, oh that's oh, really, <laughs> Oh, that's funny. No, but good for you for trying and you should, Absolutely. you should try more. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, well. That's yeah. That's really. I know, but I but I feel you. I feel the exact same way. Um, I never learned Italian growing up, even though it was spoke in my house. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my sister and I never um, uh, learned it, and I wish I had at a young age because now, yeah, I would just be way too self conscious to try it because you got to get the pronunciation right and everything. And yeah. uh, there's just so much to learning a new language that if you're not confident about it, yeah, you just. You feel self-conscious and it, it slows you down. But so I may, and that's why I think it's like, maybe that's a character thing, right? Cause Arthur Harrow is surrounded also by people that are just, you know, kissing his ass all the time. Yeah. There are all sorts in that, in that little commune there. Mm-hmm. All right. Any more on the episode? I think that's it. Like all my notes were all out of order, but, uh, I, I really liked it. I really like where this is going. Yeah. Um, that final shot of this last episode was really cool. Oh man. Egypt. Yeah. And like, I've heard that like that, you know, lots of Egyptian like crew in here and just the, um, the, the faithfulness, which they're going for in this. Uh, I love it. I love to hear it. Um, The the other thing too, is that I'm always like with Marvel shows and movies now, because we're so far into this cinematic universe, some part of me is always like, oh, I wonder who's going to show up here that we know or from, you know, this connected universe. I'm in both of these episodes. Not once did I think that like I'm so wrapped how, up. How in refreshing. This. Exactly. Yeah. How exactly. Nice. That's a good thing. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm so wrapped up in this character and how they've built him up and how they've written that. That is just like, oh, yeah, this is also part of the MCU as well. And then, like I said, like there's that GRC bus ad and stuff, which is a really cool kind of subtle addition to that and it's like really good writing in, in making putting that into the background um because it's not distracting but if it is if it does distract you if it does get to you there's that extra little thing that's like oh but it's still part of this show because of this tagline from the grc you know like yep. I, I, there's there's a lot of really cool things like that but then i'm not hoping or you know that we see a hulk or that we see you know, something I'm sure we will, or I'm sure they're going to like tease more things, but well, it's not really on the radar. And that's how you impress me now, Marvel. Okay. You, you spend all these years building this thing up where and impressing me with the way you were able to seamlessly integrate 20 different storylines all at once, all into one thing. And whenever the storylines mingled or entwined, it all made sense. Wow. I'm so impressed. Now, you got to do the opposite to impress me. You got to stop leaning on characters. You got to build a show from scratch that relies not nothing on cameos, other characters, other established storylines. That's how you impress me now. And if Moon Knight can do it, then God bless it. Nice. Yeah, where a cameo will impress me is if it becomes 
if it gets to the point where I forget about it and then a cameo actually happens and fits and I'm yes. like, oh, yeah, oh, exactly. If we're not like speculating three episodes before it happens, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That would be great for it to just happen would be. Ugh, yes. Yeah. I uh, hate to admit that I haven't watched it. I, uh, I'll watch it tonight. I'll watch the episode two tonight. And oh, I, you're so lucky, though, because then you get an episode tomorrow. If yeah, I, two and three. I won't. I won't. I won't do it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm I'm embarrassed to be behind on this show that clearly is good. Uh, but I'm more embarrassed that last night I did have some TV time. And uh, what I put on was deep water. <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> and, but, oh, Jesus. It was short lived because <sighs> I put it on my big TV in my house. And where I live right now, uh, you know, it's not a huge TV or nothing. It's only 55 inches, but you can see every pixel from the street. Okay. Cause it's just in front of uh, the, my big, big, you know, front windows of my living room. Oh, sure. So sure. everything v- is uh, clearly visible from the street, not even trying. And um, why? Well, I'm sorry. What, I'm not sure what this means. Well, because like, what if there's a, what if like somebody's walking with their mom? It's like, hey, mom, there's the the house of the guy that had the full size candy bars for Halloween. And <laughs> oh, I see. Oh, oh, don't look at the house. Don't look in the window. <laughs> Okay, okay. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Oh, I didn't even think oh, about that. <laughs> so yeah, so I turned I turned it off pretty quick. But I but it was it was fascinating that I was like, this thing's a piece of junk, isn't it? Well, like I just need to scrub through to the nude parts, don't I? Okay. Never mind. Wow. So yeah, thanks, Art. Lucky you. All right. Well, Paul Plastino, where can we find you on the internet or Netflix? At Paul Plastino. Uh, that was on Amazon Prime. That oh, sorry. Amazon. Sorry. <laughs> I want to no. get through because I want to get rid of Amazon Prime. <laughs> or, uh, oh, it was your friends out to watch it. Yeah, it was very cute. Actually, uh, last week, my uh, current uh, partner said to me, um, uh, do you know there's a Lord of the Rings show that's being made? Oh, Aww. cute! That's adorable. Thank you. She doesn't know what you do. Yeah, so she doesn't know that you call her your current girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, clearly has not listened to this one episode of this podcast. I think she's aware. I think she knows. Brian, <laughs> I'm uh, DJ Boytano on Facebook and Boytano nine one three Twitter and Instagram. I'm Webmaster Bud on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitch. This has been the Zones Geek Out Podcast, episode one hundred and eighty four. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. The Geek Out Podcast is a production of The Zone at 91.3. The views expressed here are not necessarily those of this radio station. And really, some of those views are pretty stupid. I mean, come on. For more on-demand audio from The Zone, visit thezone.fm slash podcast or the on-demand tab of our app. Thanks for listening, and thanks for being a zoner.